Hello, Ethernauts. Welcome to Ether Talk, the show where we talk about what just happened on Ethernautica. This is our chance to discuss our thoughts and theories on what is actually going on in the Ethernautica world. I'm your host, Kelly. You may know me as Rose Worthington from the show. Today, I have with me one of our new voice talents, Novelty. Hey, guys. Yes, I'm Novelty. I am Stylus's wife, and Stylus plays Daisuke Hana on the show. And I've been listening to the show since it started, and hearing a lot about it from Stylus. <laughs> and uh, we also run uh, Novelty Stylus Gaming, which is a uh, actual play podcast s- series, different series, three different series at this point, Dragon Ball Rebellion, Rip Inc., and Pirates of Wild Space. And I'm only involved in two of those, so. Well, you kind of covered my first couple of speaking points is how you discovered Ethernautica. I guess the question is, what kept you listening? I do like the genre of uh, steampunk already to begin mm-hmm. with. And I was always interested in Call of Cthulhu, but I haven't actually gotten into the mythos myself. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was always interested in the concept that... Um, Double Deadline described to me about marrying these two different genres together. I mean, they're not that different. They're basically 1800s uh, fiction genres, which I really enjoy already. I love reading Jane Austen and uh, Charlotte Bront, that sort of stuff. Typical romance stuff. That's my my shtick. But uh, so I was already interested in the genre to begin with. And then... You know, Stylus said, oh, yeah, I'm playing in Double Deadline's uh, game, uh, Ethernautica. And and then I was like, okay, well, I'm definitely going to have to listen to it because, one, it's a genre I'm interested in. Two, if I don't, I will never hear the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) Stylus will never let me live it down if I don't listen to this. Like, okay. So, like, in the beginning of my listening, I was very hyper-focused on the Daisuke episodes, because, you know, I love hearing, you know, my husband play characters. He's very uh, vibrant in his role play style mm-hmm. and his DMing style. It's very similar. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts about season one? Things that you really liked? Things that stood out to you? Well, I really enjoyed the intro episode where it's basically Daisuke's ep- 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 opening intro. That You started with Daisuke being out at sea. You're just dropped right in the middle of a situation. You can, can't get more neutral for the audience than being out at open sea. Everybody can, I, okay, well, everybody can identify what that's like or what might be like if they've never been on the ocean. So I thought it was a really great starting point. And then we got to know all the other characters and it felt very storybook natural. And I know that Double Deadline is a big time reader and writer so I knew that he was going to be bringing a lot of that to the table with his uh, DMing style. I really enjoyed, I mean, I was really inspired by the editing where it was basically almost like an audiobook. And I already love audiobooks and I love audio <laughs> dramas in particular. Both me and Double Deadline are like really big into the big finish Doctor Who radio plays. So I was mm-hmm. already experienced in like that sort of immersion for the audio format, and I was really happy that Deadline decided to bring that to Ethernautica. So I was able to immerse myself a lot easier than I would have in like any other actual play podcast. So I was happy with that. It's a little bit more structured than I was initially going for with my style of in Dragon Ball Rebellion. Because I like to have a lot of mm-hmm. banter and stuff like that, but I really appreciate <laughs> how he is able to keep like the narrative really tight and not let 
things get so- too sidetracked and it, the blue the use of the bloopers was really helpful in that at least <laughs> right. we get to hear some of the banter i mean i love i love uh radio talk shows so banter is really important to me and that's why you kind of hear a little bit more of it in my game uh, not my game but stylus's mm-hmm. game where i do the editing but right. i really do appreciate this because it feels like i can follow it without you know getting distracted by like you know jokes and stuff so i appreciate it <laughs> like trying to hide your boner while hiding on top of a carriage yes yes that <laughs> oh my god can i just say before we go any further that this probably is the funniest episode the the most recent season two episode <laughs> the funniest i was like busting up more often than not and you know i i like the the horror aspect that deadline pushes from the call of cthulhu genre I really, I really dig that, especially the ending of season one. But uh, my favorite thing in life is social comedy. Like comedy of manners or? Yes, the comedy of manners and like that you see that that uh, Jane Austen defined. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really into that sort of like, you know, people saying stuff that is kind of hypocritical. And the, and you you and the, uh, the main character and, and the audience is sort of simultaneously rolling their eyes. Right. And it's like, oh my god, can you believe these people? But this is what life is. So I mm-hmm. always loved that kind of subtle irony. But it, it's like amplified in this game more because you have people, you know, with modern sensibilities and they want to crack jokes and, and the situations get even more ridiculous than you would have normally seen back then. And I love seeing how people of that era would react to sort of really far out there situations. It's That's mm-hmm. always really fun. So I'm really enjoying it. That's brilliant. So you, this is a good transition into season two. Like, we're only four episodes in. What do you think of where season two has been going so far? Well, like I said, you know, the social interaction, uh, the comedy, the drama, those are always my absolute favorite part of any role play situation uh, or book situation. Yeah, and it definitely feels like this season starts off on that foot rather than you guys are in a crazy situation, go. It's more like now you're more in a normal setting, having been through this crazy situation, what are you doing? Yeah, we have a bit of a time to breathe and explore like where Rose comes from, her background and the the sort of conditions she had to grow up in. So we get to see more of that. Mm -hmm. And I freaking love it this is already my favorite season i don't care what happens further down this is the best this is what i live for so i enjoyed the i mean you need to have a hook for your audience when you're starting to tell a story so i uh, totally get what was going on in season one you needed to immerse your characters and your audience immediately into this world setting and be like okay this you know there's the concept of monsters there's the concept of time travel and alternate dimensions and you know cyberpunk is happening as well and you need to you need to introduce all these new concepts so the audience can get used to it and now we're taking a breath Mm because we just went through some crazy ash apocalyptic ish (laughs) and now we need a like a break (laughs) yeah so I enjoyed now that we're having a time, a moment to breathe and like, you know, see how these characters interact in a more uh, subdued, maybe not like there's nobody, there's no life or death yet, but it's a little bit more subdued and, you know, eh, eh, it's just love and seeing the character navigate these uh, very mundane situations after all the crap they just went through. 
Exactly. You know what I think is also interesting, especially with the introduction of a character named Zola, you get a little more intrigue. Yeah, she she's interesting. Uh, I don't I didn't know very much about her starting off. Stylus has basically just described her to me as a if Black Widow was a maid in her <laughs> as her alter alter ego. And I was just like, um, OK, uh, it, it, that didn't really translate too well to me for how I was supposed to be playing her. So I was just I was just going for very like what I saw in Downton Abbey, very, you know, proper sort of ladies maid. Mm-hmm type character I didn't I don't I still like this is the first episode where I've seen actual peek into her personality so now Mm -hmm. I feel like oh I wish I'd known this when I started voicing it in episode one of season two I could have injected a little bit more of that snark that Mm. uh, Deadline seems to be implying in his narrative but at this at the same time I feel like what you did do was appropriate because you, you this was our first introduction to the character and her facade is very good right yeah that that's the kind of how I logic it out as well it's like well you know I mean she's putting up the facade of a very proper lady's maid so mm-hmm. maybe it ends up working out mm-hmm. so I'm I, you know I'm I'm happy to be you know able to lend my voice to any of uh, Deadline's mm-hmm. NPCs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look forward to seeing where this character is going to end up going. I have no idea. Uh, anything that is revealed is going to be new- as much news to me as it is going to be to the <laughs> audience. So that's going to be Yay. interesting. So I get sometimes lines where like this sort of situation happens and I'm like, what? Wait, why, why is she saying that? And what led up to this <laughs> point? Mm-hmm. So that kind of gains more intrigue for me, but I'm d- definitely not being spoiled for too much more than what the audience gets. So, All right. So let's talk about episode four. What were your favorite moments of episode four? Any insightful reveals? Anything particularly interesting? I really, uh, I have to say that it kind of leapt out to me really strongly this episode, but uh, Felix's aversion to horses. <laughs> I have to tell you, uh, with Mike, he has a, a talent for creating a character that has no choice at all but to interact with it, the environment that he's in, mm-hmm. which is really good for a player character because sometimes you get players who are maybe too withdrawn or mm-hmm. very internal and they have no reason to really interact with anything until the plot smacks them in the face. Mm-hmm. With Mike's characters, both Sir Ralph and and uh, Felix, Ralph was, you know, a geologist and he loved uh, gemstones and he, as anytime he saw them, he had to go for them. That was mm-hmm. his compulsion. Uh, so that was always like, he was always on the lookout, looking at his environment for that sort of thing. And that's great because it provides like funny or interesting uh, storytelling moments that are mm-hmm. really cool. The Felix character is afraid of horses and he's in a Victorian (laughs) setting where there's horses everywhere. So he has literally no choice. Every time he's outside, he's going to have to be reacting to the environment. (laughs) And I just love it. It, I think I thought it was so clever. And it's actually it's such a great character trait that he makes him immediately interesting. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is hilarious. I want to know more about this guy. What else is what what other kind of quirks does he have? Yeah, this was the episode where Felix really came to the forefront before yes. he had been introduced and the characters were all wary of him. So he didn't really get a chance to interact as much. Mm-hmm. 
So this is the episode where it really took off, especially when you saw him trying to do his job. Yes. When they get to the ladies club. Oh, that was the, oh my God. Okay. That might be my favorite part of the episode where it's like, I don't know, the bouncer or the bellhop, mm-hmm. whatever. And he mm-hmm. tries to seduce him. Like that's his first go-to maneuver. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. How, it's like, okay. Like stylus. Uh, I love Daisuke. He's he's still my favorite character, but this guy just rocketed right up to, you know, he's a contender, man. You got to watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I I loved it. What's really sad, I think, because it got really messy and didn't translate well to audio was uh, Mike had spent almost all of his plot points for that seduction role. Yeah, yeah. Stylus told me about that. And he rolled really bad. Oh, he my rolled God. so badly. Oh, I, and I know the feel. I remember. I, I know the feel of like you're putting all of your freaking extra traits and stuff like that, trying to nail this role, and it still fails. That is the worst. I can mm-hmm. imagine how frustrating that was, and it, it would have been beautiful if it had worked, and he actually succeeded <laughs> in seducing the guy. I was so disappointed. It's like, ah, oh, <laughs> damn it. That's the one thing about like uh, actual play podcasts as opposed to uh, audio drama that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that loss of control. Like yeah, you could there- want something to play out a certain way as much as you can because it would mm-hmm. be good audio or good drama or whatever. But if the dice don't favor you, then you're screwed and you have to just roll ahead and improv how the scene would play out otherwise. But there's always the, oh, but it might have been. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the same time, though, the dice helps create that sense of the the characters can't do everything that they want to do luck isn't on their side abilities aren't on their side yeah so it it creates an opening for other kinds of drama i really like that yeah yeah it kind of keeps the it has to keep the player on the toes of be able to be like okay well that's the way the dice rolled though this is how my character would react and you have to be very immersed in your character to know exactly how they're supposed to react to any given situation so it's a real It's a real talent. I haven't mastered it 100%. That's why I kind of default to characters I've already been reading about for centuries. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm already well in their head. So I know how to improv with them very well. But if it's a new Mm -hmm. character and I just like, I get get caught up. It's like, okay, well, I don't know my character well enough. What the heck would they do? And I'm not Mm -hmm. great at it. There are some, there are certain characters that I've heard in different podcasts that are like, excellent at that and i'm so envious of that Mm -hmm. ability so stylus is really good at that for example and uh i really enjoy it when he ever he could just roll with the dice and Mm -hmm. it's a talent i want to cultivate more in the future yeah i feel like with ethernautica rose worthington is a character i have played before like a decade ago yeah so i was always really familiar with her there's a certain bit of an expectation for characters from this era, how they're supposed mm-hmm. to react to situations. And it, it feels very natural. And yes, you've you've played Rose before. I've heard about that, that you've mm-hmm. played it for the, Rose for a very long time. So like you're so inside of her head already that everything yeah. comes very smooth and natural for you in this. And it, and it really translates well in the sort of storytelling style that uh, Deadline's going for. Deadline does an amazing job of setting the the setting so well mm-hmm. that it feels very natural. He yeah. and I also read a lot of steampunk. I work for an author who writes steampunk, so I'm very familiar with the genre and feel comfortable inside of it. Yeah. I don't know if the other gentlemen in the podcast are as well-versed in it, but I feel like everything's gone 
along well and whatever version of steampunk we've created is now we own it and we're all working within that system. Stylist's exposure to uh, anything Victorian era is basically uh, what he's seen in fan art and uh-huh. uh, the sort of stories I've been pushing off on him. It's like, oh, oh, go, let's go and watch Pride and Prejudice in the theaters. He's like, okay. And then he ends up enjoying it. It's like, ha, I yeah. told you. That sort of stuff. So he's aware mm-hmm. of the social niceties of the mm-hmm. era. So uh, I think, and then he's just able to run with it uh, because he's familiar with the steampunk genre, at least the aesthetic of it. And he just mm-hmm. runs straight ahead uh, with his character. And, and uh, very interesting to see how he plays a character you wouldn't typically see, which is a Japanese man in the middle of Victorian America. Right. So that's been really fun to see how that works, especially dealing with the delicate issue of the racism at the time. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, steampunk... Is- uh, world, especially the world that we're going off of, it's a little bit different because you have aliens, you have different like cultural right. stuff. But at the same time, I understand the argument of wanting to be like quote unquote historically accurate. But at the same time, it's a fantasy world, and I really don't think we have to lean into it. Yeah, yes, yes. It's so <laughs> so. I know that uh, stylist—that's his re- term of reference—is the more historical. Like, well, people. Mm-hmm. You know, look down on anybody who isn't Caucasian. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. and I'm used to it and I just deal with it. But uh, I, 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 it is a relief that it's not such a prominent theme in the, mm-hmm. this, as per- particularly in Deadline's storyline. I mean, there's very subtle like hints at it, like very just very under the surface. And it might even just be classist. Mm-hmm. I think it is more classist than racist a lot of the time. Yeah, times. yeah, yeah. Especially with the Worthingtons. I think it just might be just very oh. classist. And there, there is a difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, it's very hard to stay, like, segregated, like, so hard against other human beings when you got freaking aliens and stuff, like, mm-hmm. bombarding your existence. I believe, even in, like, reality, if that were, if there was a an invasion, you could see a lot of the you know, scruples between human beings, like kind of being shed away pretty quickly because, mm. hey, hey, we're on the same boat here, you know? So <laughs> why are we fighting each other? Come on. Yep. All right. So we have the ladies club. Then while that was being taken care of, Daisuke and Hellcat went and got horses. What did you think about the horses scene? Oh, uh, yes, that was interesting. So like, I think, I think... During the episode when I was listening to it, Stylish already gushed ahead. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the Milo Pony moment. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then we got to know the Moonshadow horse. That's Moonshadow, right? Correct. Yes. So we got to know Moonshadow for a minute and, like, how, like, in fact, like, not infatuated, but, like, besotted uh, Daisuke mm-hmm. became with him, like, right off the bat. And I'm like, oh, okay, that was a little bit unexpected. But I think it was really cool that uh, uh, you guys were able to cross-promote like that and bring uh, Mm -hmm. in the voice actor from that. Yeah. yeah. So I was was very interested. And I'm interested to see where that's going to go forward. Like, (laughs) he loves this horse. And heaven help anybody who hurts this horse. So I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm interested to see uh, what's going to go on with Moonshadow. Um, It might end up being nothing and it might be just be like a gag thing. But he is Mm -hmm. an animal companion. Yes. He got his animal companion. 
Yes, and he was very excited about that. So maybe it won't go anywhere. Uh, maybe it will go somewhere, and I'll, and you know, we'll have to see. You've done a good job of kind of integrating where you think things are going based on what we've seen so far. Is there anything else that you want to add about where you think the season is going or anything that you really want to see in this upcoming season? Well, I'm I'm very interested in seeing the culmination of the relationship between Rose and Hellcat. I want to see some freaking catharsis happening there. (laughs) I slipped into my Hellcat impression there for a second. That's fine. For me, the main draw of any story is the interaction between characters. Mm-hmm. And I really want, I like, I am going, to, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, relationships develop, uh, friendships, you know, grow or break apart, uh, mm-hmm. depending on what happens. Uh, for Daisuke specifically, um, I want to see him connect on a emotional level to uh, a character. I mean, uh, he's already really protective of Rose, so that's, mm-hmm. that's that's fun and you know it makes se- uh, it makes sense uh, for his character. I would like to see maybe a little bit more of exploration of like uh, you know why you guys beyond the extraordinary circumstances you have found yourself <laughs> in, why you guys would work really great as friends regardless like I want mm-hmm. uh, like commiserating moments I- I've seen uh, some of some of those moments uh, it develop during like like, little silent interactions between you two and I love that stuff mm-hmm. and you guys seem to be very often on the same page like you work really well together and that's always very fun I want to see that go beyond Rose though and see him inter- like him specifically interact with more people kind of broaden his inner circle a little bit mm-hmm. I mean with Hellcat he's got a sort of grudging respect and- yeah that seems to be growing Yes, and like initially it was more like, can I just kill her? I want to kill her, please. Kill her. <laughs> now she's in on the, do we need to kill this? Should we kill this? They're doing it right. together now. And that's kind of like the language you need to speak with Daisuke's character is like, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of kill or not kill. Oh, yep. we you speak the same language as me. Okay, we can we can coexist and, you know, be fr- we might be friends. I really feel like Daisuke and Rose's relationship and action, interaction grew so organically just because before I started this, I didn't know Stylus at all. I met Stylus on this podcast and he and I have a, a similar type of thing where we just, we're on the same page on things. And I think it translates wells into our characters. So those two things kind of parallel each other and came across really well in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the relationship development, the, the friendship development between Daisuke and Rose has been it, very played out, very organic in the role play and I could feel Mm -hmm. that Uh, I didn't know that you'd met him actually at the beginning of the podcast I thought you guys knew a little bit of each other through deadline beforehand but that's interesting that's interesting that lends a little insight into that and yeah that's actually pretty great you know sometimes actors on a set don't get introduced to each other until their very first scene where their characters meet Mm -hmm. so to kind of get that little bit of organic reaction to seeing the mm-hmm. other person that that's always very uh, interesting uh, acting methods and and that that works out pretty well here too mm-hmm. yeah the very first time we recorded i never even saw him i was remote recording from home and we were just doing voice recording so ah. it wasn't until we sat down to do season one episode one that i actually met him and we were sitting across from each other and that was the first time our characters actually met as well so that was oh, really neat. cool 
Neat. I'll have to go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, is there anything else you want to add? or? Well, from a personal interest perspective, I'm interested in seeing what happens to the Zola character and what she's all about. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, then I think I think this is a good place to end our discussion today. Thank you all for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed it. Once again, I'm Kelly, and you can find me on Twitter at MightBeKelly. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Novelty. Where can our listeners find you? You're welcome ver- uh, very much. I'm happy to have talked with you. And you can find me on the Tumblr at ask-novelty and also on Sav- SoundCloud. Uh, where our podcasts are on novelty stylist gaming. I really like your podcasts. I oh, it, I didn't really get into Dragon Ball because I'm not as familiar with that. It's not been my thing, but I really, really like Pirates of Wild Space yeah, and Rip. Dragon Ball is near and dear to my heart, so that's always going to be my number mm-hmm. one. But uh, mm-hmm. of the two, Rip Inc. and Pirates, I really, really dig Pirates. And I kind of, hmm. I mean, I'm in Rip Inc., Mm-hmm. But I kind of wish I was in Pirates instead, <laughs> part of the top of the time, because that they just sound like they're getting up to some awesome stuff, especially whenever Stylus introduces a time travel element, uh, which is mm-hmm. what I enjoy in uh, Ethernautica as well. Anything to do with dimensions and time travel, I'm in. I am all in. Like, so I definitely want to see more of that in Ethernautica, too. Yeah, I'll be sure to include links to your shows in the show notes for this episode. Well, thank you. So Ethernauts should definitely check it out. Um, thank you, Ethernauts, for listening. If you'd like to be on an episode of Ether Talk, you can contact us via Twitter or our website, ethernauticapodcast.com. Until next time. Bye.